Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Uh, my name is Joshua Culp and today we're going to be learning Daf Kaf Vav, page 26 of Moed Katan. Uh, the very beginning of the Gemara actually begins in the last two words, last word on the bottom of Kaf Hey Amud Bet, is a Brita that reads, Tanu Rabbanan, the rabbis talk, Ve'elu Kraim She'ein Mitachim, these are the tears, right, one of the aspects of mourning is to tear your clothing. These are the tears that are not allowed, one is not allowed to repair. Hakorea alavi ve'alimo, right? When one tears his clothes for a father or mother has died, that tear should stay on that piece of clothing forever. It should not be repaired. Ve'al rabo do Torah. And for a rabbi who has taught, or a master who has taught him Torah, va'al nasi, for a president or a political leader, va'al beit din, or for a head judge, uh, for all of these cases, if somebody tears their clothing when those people die, because these people were such great figures, father, mother, leader of some sort, one does not repair the tear at all. Ve'al shmuot haraot, and for bad news, seriously bad news. Ve'al birkat Hashem, for birkat Hashem means the blessing of God's name, but really this is a euphemism for one who hears a curse of God name, God's name, va'al sefer Torah shenisraf, for a Torah scroll that was burned, va'al arei Yehuda, va'al hamikdash, va'al Yerushalayim, for the destruction of cities in Judea, or for the Beit Hamikdash, or for Jerusalem. Um, so in all of those cases, this is the sort of towards the end of the Brita, that uh, in all these cases, if one tears one clothing, one doesn't repair it. Now, we're not going to have time to go through all of these. Again, at the end of Masechet Moed Katan, these are extremely long dapim. But I thought I would go over one that I think is curious and relates to Halacha Ramasei today. And that is the issue of the Sefer Torah. So a little while beyond this, sort of towards the middle of the page, there is a sugya about a Sefer Torah that was burnt. The Gemara reads, Sefer Torah Shenisraf Minalan. So where do I know that um, if a Sefer Torah was burned, one is obligated to tear one's clothing? And they cite a pasuk from Yirmiyahu, Dichtiv in Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah 36, 23. So this, uh, these verses from Jeremiah deal with a case where Jeremiah told his student, his scribe, Baruch, the son of Neriah, all of these um, prophecies about the destruction that were going to come to the people with the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. And he wrote them in a Megillah, in a scroll. And eventually this scroll was brought into Yehoiakim, the, the king. And so these verses I'll read a little bit earlier. The king sent to Yehudi to get the scroll, and he fetched it from the chamber of the scribe Elishama. Yehudi read it to the king and to all the officials who were in attendance on the king. 
Since it was the ninth month, the king was sitting in the winter house. The ninth month is in the middle of the winter. With a fire burning in the brazier before him. And every time Yehudi read three or four columns, the king would cut it up with a scribe's knife and throw it into the fire in the brazier until the entire scroll was consumed by the fire. Yet the king and all his courtiers who heard all those words showed no fear and did not tear their garments. So from the fact that the verse says they didn't tear their garments, we can learn that they should have, because this was, it wasn't exactly a Torah scroll, but it was a scroll with the words of God to Jeremiah, um, prophecies of God to Jeremiah, and uh, the fact that people didn't tear when they should have teared teaches us that they should have teared. So um, I'm not going to skip a little bit of this section that talks about these verses, what was written in them. Uh, and I want to skip down a little bit to where it says, Amar Rabbi Chalba. Amar Rabbi Chalba, Amar Rav Huna. Haro'es Sefer Torah Shenikra, Chayav Likroa Shtei Kriot. So somebody here we're moving on, not a Sefer Torah that was burned, but a Sefer Torah that was torn apart. Also related to the actions of this king, Yoyakim. So he has to make two Kriot. Echad right? Um, one tear in his clothing for the cloth, right? The, uh, the parchment of the Sefer Torah. Vechad And one for the writing. Shneemar, as it says, Achresrof hamelech et ha-megirah ve'et ha-dvarim. After the king burned the Megirah and the word. So here you can see there's a, a sort of an independent existence. There's the physical container of the Torah, and you make one tear, rending your garment for the physical container of the Torah. And there's another tear for the content, for the words, the abstract concepts that are in this Torah. Um, and each of those is sort of independently a uh, tragedy for which one must tear one's clothing. Rabbi Abba, the Gemara goes on, Rabbi Abba and Rav Huna Bar Havu Yatve. So Rabbi Abba and Rav Huna Bar were sitting. Come Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba got up. He had to go to the bathroom. Shakle retot fitei achte abesadya. So he took off his tefillin, and we've learned elsewhere in this parak that people used to wear tefillin all of the time. So he took off his tefillin, because you can't wear your tefillin when you go to the toilet, and he put it on top of some sort of pillow. Atai batna amita ba'a lemivre'e. So a bird came and wanted to swallow up his tefillin. This bird, tefillin-eating bird comes. Amar hashta ichavinanli kriot. He said, "Now I have to tear." Rabbi Abba said, "Who had put his tefillin down? I have to tear two kriot, two tearings, two rendings of my garment because this is like a uh, sefer Torah that was torn apart. Here are my tefillin that were torn apart." Amarle menalach ha. So Rav Huna, who's sitting with him, says, "Rabbi Abba, where do you know this from?" This happened to me. That same bird came and tried to swallow up my tefillin. And I came in front of Matna. He didn't have it in his hands. Maybe a little pun here. But in any case, the phrase usually means he didn't know the answer. What are you supposed to do when a bird comes and eats your tefillin? They came in front of Rav Yehuda. 
And he said to me, Rav Yudah gave me this answer, Hachi Amar Shmuel, Lo Amru Ele Bezroa Uche Maase Shehaya. The uh, uh, obligation to tear for the burning or for the tearing of a Sefer Torah, to tear your clothing when uh, the Sefer Torah is destroyed, that's only when it was done bekoach, intentionally, by another human being. And like it happened in that story of Yehoiakim. Yehoiakim didn't accidentally burn the Sefer Torah. He didn't accidentally tear the Sefer Torah. He did it because he didn't like that Megillah that, uh, that, uh, Yirmiyahu had told Baruch the scribe to write. He didn't like its contents. He didn't like its prophecy. And he tore it up out of displeasure and out of anger. So only when you see Kidvea Kodesh that are burned by enemies, who want to burn the Torah, for instance, and this is sad, but this has, you know, happened many times. Uh, you want to, uh, you are only obligated to tear, to rend your clothing if you see somebody do something intentional. Um, I'll give you an example. If a uh, synagogue burns down due to an electrical fire, according to the Gemara, the simple reading, and all, and the Sefer Torah are, God forbid, burned in the, in, in the synagogue, one would not have to rend, rend one's clothing. Um, and this brings us to an issue I wanted to touch on briefly at the end over here, the minhag to fast uh, when a Sefer Torah falls. What's very interesting is that there is no source for this minhag. It's a minhag that everybody knows, right? Anybody who goes to a synagogue regularly knows that the Sefer Torah falls. People have to fast. They don't know whether everybody has to fast. Everybody, you hear the name 40 days. Everybody thinks that's crazy. How can you fast for 40 days? Does everybody have to give tzedakah? And, and there's just many minhagim that are um, all over the place as far as what happens. Very interesting. I don't want to get into the history of this. I've been reading up in a tshuva written by uh, Rabbi David Lincoln from the Schechter Institute, where, as he usually does, he goes through the whole history of this halacha. Um, and he does give some sort of, uh, at the end, say that it's a worthy halacha to observe in certain ways. However, he notes that uh, there are no sources, neither in the Talmud nor in the Rishonim, for such a halacha. It just seems to be, it's one of these customs that the first time uh, we hear about it, Achronim, later rabbinic uh, authorities from the, let's say, the late 15th, uh, 16th, 17th, 18th centuries in that, in that period, start to ask, well, why do people do this when there's no source for this? And this I find very, very curious. Um, there are many customs, customs involving the Seder, customs involving the recitation of Kaddish, mourning customs that have to deal, wedding customs that deal with like, sort of people's everyday routine lives that are not all that subject always to rabbinic authority. And we just hear people starting to do that. And ex post facto, rabbis, poskim, halachic authorities have to deal with the question of whether this is a worthy minhag, a worthy custom. Where are the sources for it? Is this something that a person's obligated to do? Is this something that somebody should do? Is it something that somebody should not to do? And uh, the Sefer Torah falling seems to be one of the most prominent of all of these types of customs. Um, all the achronim who deal with this, again, I want to emphasize, none of them are creating the minhag. Most of them are just sanctioning the minhag. Um, at most, they're giving, let's say, a strong sanction. Uh, uh, for instance, uh, the, Ravi, uh, the Magin Avraham, a commentary on the Shulchan Orach, says that, uh, referring to an older book, that the custom to fast when tefillin fall on the ground is also there for when the Sefer Torah falls on the, on the ground. Although he does say... 
um, that the tefillin have to fall with that. Well, I'm not going to get into whether they're in their carrying cases or not. This is not really the issue over here. But it's possible that he is sort of creating the custom over there. In other words, there is an earlier custom to fast when one's tefillin fall on the ground. And that gets moved, which also, by the way, has no, no, um, no source in the Talmud or in Rishonim. And that eventually gets expanded to the custom of the Sefer Torah falling on the ground. So I just thought this was an interesting illustration of how something that uh, in the minds of most Jews is sort of a halacha l'mosha misinai, something everybody knows and is always observed, and yet is not found anywhere until the late, late Middle Ages. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros, from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.